Welcome to Van Lathan's The Red Pill, where we give you the brutal reality of truth. Truth and respect, two things that go hand in hand. Typically, the more you tell the truth, the more respect you get. And the guest we have today is really in hip-hop and, you know, in the culture, as people say it now, synonymous with respect. The man's name is James Prince, Jay Prince. He is an architect, one of the early architects of Southern hip-hop, bringing you such acts as the Ghetto Boys, as the head of uh, Rap-A-Lot Records. Um, he is... Uh, promoting a book right now called The Art and Science of Respect that sort of details his life, sort of some of the things that he's been through and how he's become one of the most powerful, most, uh, again, respected, um, and quite frankly, most feared figures, uh, not just in hip-hop today, but in hip-hop history. Um, Jay Prince's influence touches both coasts, um, both North and South, uh, and re really everywhere that you've ever heard hip-hop, your favorite rapper knows who this guy is. And if he walks into a room, everyone will pay him uh, sort of the proper accolades. Now, interesting time to be talking to Jay Prince right now. Drake was just on LeBron James's show, The Shop, this past week, talking about some of the unresolved feelings that he has for Pusha T. Um, we spoke to Jay Prince, or should I say I spoke to Jay Prince, we, this is a team situation here, we spoke to Jay Prince and asked him, even though um, the beef on wax is dead, is the actual beef beef between Drake and Pusha actually dead? Because I gotta be real with you, listening to the shop, didn't seem like it was. When Drake said, uh, you know, Pusha T should be get punched in his mouth. He didn't say he felt like he should have been punched in his mouth. He said he should be punched in his mouth. So a lot of people are wondering, even though these guys aren't going to go back and forth on wax, uh, you know, is it all good? Are there any issues? Has there actually been uh, some sort of forgiveness that's happened? Or um, is there still a possibility that this thing could go left? Talked to Jay Prince a little bit about that. Also talked to him about Kanye West. He was supportive of Kanye West um, on Instagram. Because unlike a lot of people who are wearing T-shirts and doing other things, um, Mr. Prince actually has uh, a relationship with Larry Hoover, a man who Kanye West um, advocated to be released from prison, uh, a, a, a very respected guy, a feared guy in Chicago uh, by a lot of people. And, you know, Jay Prince was uh, he spoke highly of Kanye West bringing up Hoover in the meeting with Donald Trump. Um, and a lot of people were confused by it because to me and some others, uh, what happened in, in, in Washington on, on, on Ye's behalf was, was pretty grotesque. It was pretty emasculating and, and tough to watch and, 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 and bizarre. Uh, he saw it a different way. We talked to him a little bit about that too. I also wanted to load some other stuff from him. What was the last movie that he cried at? What pulls on the heartstrings of James Prince? What does he find funny? You ever like watch Seinfeld and just crack up? Is there any time where he turns it off and just kind of gets into it? Um, <laughs> you guys he will be <laughs> not surprised to see that he answers that question exactly the way you think that he would answer it. Now, here's the thing about this interview. I am from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I say that at least once a show. I'm going to say it once a show until we finish doing these shows because I am very proud of my community and where I'm from. Where I am from, James Prince is almost a deity. So... This interview 
was a challenge for me. It was a, it was a good exercise. I was delighted to talk to the man and be able to share energy with him. But I'm sitting here talking to someone who uh, I looked up to, had heard stories about, and had almost, from where I'm from, indoctrinated, should I say, uh, into having respect for. Like, they teach you respect for James Prince in the South. You don't learn it. They teach it to you. So it was good to talk to him, good to share energy with him, um, and good to sit uh, sit down with him. But a lot of times I had to kind of pull myself out of my space. Now, we're going to get to the interview in one second. I do want to talk uh, about one thing real fast, a little bit about mental health and 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 how we use that term and how we're throwing it around. Okay, So we're seeing a bunch of different people uh, in the space, one being Kanye West, who we're not sure about where they are in terms of their own mental health. And there was a Saturday Night Live sketch this past week that to me poked a little bit of fun at the mental health uh, or, or the, the, the mental state of Kanye West. Here's the thing, I can't say, or anyone else can't say, um, how affected by uh, mental illness Kanye West is. But there's one thing that I can say, if he is significantly affected by mental illness, if it is impairing his judgment or in any way making him act in ways uh, that he might not have, that he might not have acted, it's not funny. Um, and it's something that everyone should sort of look at themselves and ask the questions uh, about exploiting him. And that goes certainly for what happened here at TMZ, and we talked about that on the show. It goes for the President of the United States. It goes for anyone else who uh, would be enabling a man who is not well um, to rant and, and, and rave and go out there and make a spectacle of himself um, without getting him the proper health. I, without getting him the proper help, I have an anxiety disorder. And it is a very uh, delicate balancing act with this disorder, should I say, to understand when I'm taking on too much, to kind of get when I need to kind of pull away, take my shoes off, walk in the grass, um, and center myself to, uh, to, to get back to zero. Uh, this has happened here before, that I've passed out in the TMZ newsroom and missed a month of work trying to search and find um, a balance for myself. So it, it's... It's a debilitating disease when your brain um, is, is giving you a bunch of mixed signals. And sometimes the best thing for that is just finding a safe, quiet space to talk to someone uh, and to kind of work those things out. It's very difficult to do that when you're being pulled in a, in a bunch of different ways for promo, when you're being used politically, when you're being used socially, when you're being used econo economically. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that love Kanye West, but if he is unwell, the question will be, do they love him enough to make him get himself together? Do they love him enough to demand that he take his mental health seriously? It just, just doesn't just go for him. It goes for everyone in our community that is diagnosed and undiagnosed. Like when you have these people around you, do you care about them uh, enough that you'll put the relationships that you might have with them in jeopardy uh, 
to make them deal with some of their issues, or maybe not even make them, to implore them to deal with some of their issues. There were definitely people that had to do that with me, um, people that had to push me to deal with the root causes of my anxiety and the root causes of my mental illness. Um, and there are still people in my life that, that make sure that I have my head on straight. Uh, and I, and I, you know, I, I value those people. So I want to say that, but we're about to get to Jay Prince. We're going to get to Jay Prince. The name of his book is The Art and Science of Respect. He is one of the architects of Southern Hip Hop. Pop some pills. Let's do it. Yo, I mean, normally we have, like, before the podcast, we have everybody clap, and there's a lot of other people in the podcast, but I ain't going to lie. Jay Prince came in here deep today, so it will really just be his people clapping for him, but still, we're going to everybody clap for a legend real quick, man. <laughs> I'm talking about. When I say legend, I mean a real legend. For me, I'm from Louisiana, mm. so being from Baton Rouge, you know, everybody knows what rap a lot has meant to hip hop and what your presence in hip hop has kind of meant over the years. Um, so, Jay Prince, I want you just before we even get started, the name of the book is The Art and Science of Respect. Yeah. What is that? Like, what does that mean to you? You were one of the most respected figures in hip hop history. If you were summing that up, what would it be? Well, you know, the art part of it is, you know, your creative mind, the, the things that you dream, the things that you envision, you know, the artistic part of, uh, let's say, a, a goal that you want to accomplish. Yeah. And the science part is the ingredients, the knowledge, you know, the things that it takes to accomplish that goal. And, you know, I explain when the two, you know, are accomplished, you know what I mean? It always, you know, a form of respect to see, you know, anybody accomplish their vision, their goals, you know, in life. And uh, I wrapped that around respect. Mm. Yeah, and that's how I was able to accomplish uh, a lot of respect along my journey. All right. You seem to have, there's a, there's a lot of fake respect out there right now. There's a lot of dudes that say, uh, women and men, they say they respect someone to get in the proximity of this person um, so they can kind of sort of capitalize on, capitalize on what that person has. There are a lot of people that show fake love and, and sometimes even fake fear. The respect that people have for you um, seems to be very genuine, coming from all different sort of demos of hip-hop, from the younger to the older to the other OGs that's been in the game with you. Uh, why is it always so real when it comes to you? Well, you know, I, I think it all begun with me giving, you know, everybody respect. And uh, it been happening for decades. And I've been, after I gave it, you know, I earned it. Mm. And, you know, and after that I demanded it. And it been going on for years through a lot of trials and tribulations. You know what I mean? And when one, you know, observe uh, a man or a person, you know, uh, being able to come through hurricanes and storms of life which you can really identify with, you know, where we from. And, you know, I think that's they respect that, you mm. know, and, and having a word, you know, is like icing on the cake. Mm. And I've been that type of person. You know, all of my life. 
So why was it important for you to write the book? Why was the book at this point, you know, you've accomplished so much, name still relevant. Why now was it important for you to kind of write the book? Um, I believe readers are leaders. And, uh, you know, I wanted to uh, lead by example. And, you know, I feel the things that I've accomplished in life uh, is definitely some wisdom, knowledge, and understanding for those uh, that's after me to uh, be able to do things just a little more uh, easier. Mm. Yeah, and apply, you know, a lot of uh, uh, different gifts and, and formulas that I have where life and business is concerned. I believe it's a method of, of giving back. Right. Do you feel like there's something right now in the culture that's missing? Maybe a hole that you think some of the wisdom in the book could fill? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a whole lot of holes. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? And, yeah. And, yeah, and, uh, in the system and uh yeah most definitely because you know my method is, of doing things is a majority of it is a method you can't learn in school mm. you know what i mean it, it it uh it came from me it came from uh answer prayer you know what i mean all the different sides of uh the spectrum that i i shared you know along my journey mm. now Drake is the biggest artist right now, um, maybe in music. Forget about hip-hop. Drake might have transcended um, hip-hop and become just the biggest musical artist, period. No one kind of gets it popping like him right now. Uh, he just did an interview. Interview made uh, a, a lot of news about something that you were sort of directly involved in. This was this whole back and forth that was happening this summer between him and Pusha T. Uh, for the first time, Drake came out and really discussed what was on his mind <laughs> when that whole thing was going on. Nobody mm -hmm. really knew. I guess you had kind of spoke a little bit <clears throat> uh, for him, and now he first put it out there. He said that uh, that sort of all the back and forth, he felt like it went too far, and it made him not want to keep things rap-wise. You had said, or I had read that you had said you advised Drake to squash the beef um, from a hip-hop perspective. Is it totally squash, period? Or did something carry on besides rap, you think? I mean, I think it, it crossed the lines of rap, you know what I mean, when it went to his mother, his father, and his, and his friend, mm -hmm. you know, a, a man that's, you know, you wishing death on a man that's, you know, ill that way. To me, that, that crossed the lines of hip-hop and rap. And uh, that's personal, mm. you know what I mean? And, and, and that was the reason I spoke up and advised him, okay, you know, let's lead this along because it's finna go to a whole different place because, you know, I understood where it was finna go. I, I done witnessed it so many times until, you know, I knew it was the intelligent thing to do. Mm. Uh, is there any way... I mean, not not so much asking you to speak for him, but is, is there any way now that things have been said that they can be unsaid? Is there any way that they can piece it up for real? Because it, Drake made it seem like that there was still some animus that he had towards Pusha T, even though he wasn't going to respond to him with a song. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of times it's a matter of time for before wounds here. You know, as you could, as we all witnessed Meek Mill a few months ago, you know, Drake and Meek was able to come together and do see. some things. So. You know, the possibilities are limited, mm -hmm. you know, when, when wounds are here. Right. That's dope. 
Um, for situations like that, like, you know, static about rap lyrics and stuff like that, um, how serious is that stuff for real? Because we only see, I mean, <laughs> at TMZ we see a little bit more than, than, than some other people might, but we only see what happens in the studios. Oh, it, you never really feel like you never really know whether or not there are actual feelings behind some of these things. Obviously, some of them start from the street, and if they start from the street, you get that like, sometimes they just bleed over into the booth. Yeah. But you know, these things that are said on wax, it seems like everybody's doing it for publicity and clout. Um, how often in 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 your career have you seen these things go from just music to actually turning serious? Yeah, uh, many times. You know, a lot of <laughs> I witness a lot of. Uh, these things take place with with artists that hasn't made it yet. You know what I mean? And you know, just to tap into the the Biggie Tupac situation, you know, I, I witnessed that when it was a babe, and I saw how it evolved. You know what I mean? Until you know, actually, actually, lives being taken. So mm-hmm. you know, when you see these things and and you really have the ability to, to think, then you you know you want to do something about them. You know, and, and for sure, you know, with me being in the pitch and down with Drake the way I'm down with him, then I know where it could have went uh, from zero to a thousand quick, fast, and in a hurry. So, you know, I wanted to uh, prevent any of that because that's not how we uh, get paid. All right. I got it. But, I mean, if you're, if you're pushed right now or anybody from his camp, it's all good. The squash there should be no reason that anybody feels like there's because I know Drake. It seemed like Drake still was a little tight about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? He said yeah. he said there were no rules, but he said there are rules, and he said yeah. that he felt like maybe something should have happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we <laughs> we uh, you know, I said what I said. You I know mean, what I mean? And mm-hmm. and and you know, we was able to lead that alone and. I hope, uh, what they say, let sleeping dogs lie. Yeah, my, my grandma used to say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you in Houston, in, in down there in South Texas, very important guy. You take on a leadership capacity in terms of the community is concerned. Uh, how important do you think it is for what people are doing in in, in, in entertainment wise? to actually bleed over, because it's a conversation we're always having about how involved should you be? How involved should you be, not just in rap and making your money for your family and stuff like mm-hmm. that? How involved should you be in the families and the other people that is in your community with you and you know positive representation and stuff like that? For you personally, how, how important is it for, for you know big dudes in the game to kind of be hands-on with the people uh, who, who support their music and whatever? Yeah, I, I think that's very important, you know, for anybody uh, that's successful in the hood to, to give back. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't even like the guys who make it and abandon where they're from because, right. you know, I always tell them if the truth be told, you know, you couldn't even be who you are today without, you know, the hood help shaping and molding, you know, you into becoming that person, whether it's an artist or athlete, whatever it may be, you know. So, you know, I uh, live by example where that's concerned. You know, that's a lifestyle for me to give back to my community, to build in my community, and, uh, you know, to to, to try to be a voice, you know, in my community, and I'm accessible 
Mm. So, you know, I think that's real important. And if, if everybody would would really get that and unite where that's concerned, then you would see a whole lot of violence and different things uh, would go down, actually. You yeah. know what I mean? If these very people that's from the hoods give back and plant, plant the seeds of love, you know what I mean, where yeah. the hood is concerned. Yeah, I saw you talk a little bit about uh, Ye's visit to the White House and um and like how he uh because i ain't gonna lie i was pissed off i mean i gotta be real with you i was mad like for me you know i see kanye west talking to donald trump and i just see him say something to the to the to the effect of yo i never understood any masculine energy till i was around you almost like calling trump's his pops and i was like my god bro yeah you know what i'm saying it was tough for me to kind of just to see a black man in the oval office kind of bowing down, you know, to Donald Trump. But a lot of other things, I think because he did that, a lot of the other things he said while he was there kind of got washed away. You pointed out something that you liked that kind of goes along with what we're talking about. The fact that Kanye West advocated for the release of a very respected guy in Chicago, uh, Larry Hoover. Yeah. Um, and you feel like that was important for him to say on that stage. Yeah. Why did you feel like it was important for you to kind of say that? Well, I feel it was important because, you know, you're at the top saying that you know there's no in between people you know what i mean you had to you had to you had the top where a, a man could actually he could do something about it mm-hmm. and you know I, I i really feel that the time that um, the united states of america is given you know people that's arrested for drugs and unviolent crimes is uh above and beyond you know what i mean i don't, I don't feel you should take people you know, all of their life away mm-hmm. be behind something, you know, that I don't want to call it trivial, but from the time that they're given, you know, where those uh, 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 cases are concerned is it's a little astronomical. And, uh, you know, with me hearing Kanye speak on that about somebody who, who I personally know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And we all, if we think about it, have someone in our families that's a victim of these extraordinary uh, lengths of time that America, who, who's to say that that's right? You know what I mean? Where yeah. that come from? One have to like really dig into the root of where this kind of time and different things came from, you know, when they, they put it on crack rock versus powder. You know, it's all uh, uh, an act of racism. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I love the fact when he he spoke on on Larry because we all have a lot of Larrys in our family that's victims of those situations. Hmm. Um, how do you so? I, I'm I'm not, I don't know too much about about Larry Hoover, but um, I know basically what I'm told from some of my homies in Chicago and just basically through legend and lore, should yeah. I say, from the rest of it. What you said is interesting. It's interesting that when when you juggle the penalty that some of our brothers get, mm-hmm. um, you know, based upon some of the things that have been that have been done. For example, we had Big U in here, and right. Big U sat down and we talked to Big U. And since Big U has been home, you know, a lot of the gang activity here in LA has gone down. Yeah, because he's been on the street to sort of kind of take control and work yeah. with different entities and make sure that things are pointing in the right yeah. direction. There are people on the other side of that 
that might say, um, shout out to Big U, one of my big homies, but there are all a lot of other people that might say that some of the things that he had done or maybe even Larry Hoover had done, that maybe those made they made those communities unsafe in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you say to people who would say that? Well, I say to those people, you know, they wanna live in the past. Mm. You can't you can't live in the past. You know what I mean? You can't you can't eat off of that meal you ate yesterday and be satisfied. You know, you know, people like Big U and, and it's certain things that's a fact. You know what I mean? Like the brother is respected. You know Not what I mean? When when he when he speak, the youth gonna hear him. The same goes for me, you know, in my hood right now. When I speak, they gonna hear me. And I know things is a certain way because I'm free and I have access to the homies in, in Houston. Mm-hmm. It's the same for, for Larry, for Hoover. You know what I mean? There's no doubt about it. Anybody that's really interested in, in uh, saving lives in Chicago, where that dead toll is concerned, he the perfect antidote. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, if we want to be locked into unforgiveness about you know what we all done in the past, then we all should be hung, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because right. none of us are perfect where that's concerned, you know what I mean? I raised my hand first and say, you know, I wasn't always on this side of the track where, you know, my mind was focused and, and you know, my ability of thinking is clear as it is right now, but what a difference I make today. Word. Yeah. Word. How'd you get there? How'd you get to the side of the track you're on right now? Like, you know, how'd you come to being someone who sees the problem and um and, and wants to do something about it well you you witness a lot of uh of things that don't work you know what i mean just like those brothers they had a opportunity to sit down and think you know what i mean and they were able to like uh stay alive because it's hard to stay alive where we from work and and when you're able to stay alive and be able to you know, think and consume and figure out some things, then, you know, only a fool, you know, stay in bondage. Mm. And, uh, you know, neither neither of those guys are fools. Mm. So, you know, and they know how to think. You know, I, I tell all the brothers, you know, I feel like, you know, brothers from the hood are some of the most uh, brilliant brothers in the world. Without a doubt. Yeah, it's just a matter of uh, applying that science, applying that hustle, whatever it is, in corporate America. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I wrote about that in my book. Once we able to, uh, you know, diversify, you know what I mean, our portfolios of those things that we was in bondage with as a as a youth or as a as a youngster into corporate America, we some we some brilliant individuals. You know what's crazy about that? When I was in college, uh, I used to tutor some of the Prop 48s, the guys who couldn't qualify, you know, on the football team. Yeah. And you had a whole bunch of brothers that people – would say we're stupid, right? And I sit down with guys and we would be reading and writing and stuff like that. Some of these guys, they had trouble reading what was on the page. Yeah. But if you then took that page and removed whatever we was reading, Mark Twain or whatever, yeah, and then put it back with the assignments yeah. that they had to know for the game coming up, yeah, not only did they know what they were supposed to be doing, but six or seven variations like they're thinking on the move and synthesizing the information so quickly yeah. and, and, and so adeptly that you're like, yo, 
This is what this brother has chosen to apply his brain power right. to. Right. The other thing didn't really matter for him because this is what he thought was going to sort of make him a million dollars. And I had to just get them to the point where they could qualify so they could go ahead and play in the NFL right now. And it's really thanks to me. So, you know, yeah. you can shout me out whenever no, you want. That's a beautiful story. Um, but what, what I'm saying is, how do we change the priorities, though? You know, because a, a lot of times in the in the community, brothers are thinking about how they get out, ancestors, and how they survive. Yeah. So it's hard to get them with those lessons. Like when you say survival, survival teaches you a lot of lessons because after you've gotten there, you've got a family, now you're thinking about generational wealth and different things like that. Yeah. But right now, if we're trying to affect them, how do we pull them away from things that are short term and make them think about things that are long term? Well, I think uh, it, it would be good to uh, begin in school. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think school, and I speak for myself, was boring to me. So I think the curriculum, you know, in school needs to be adjusted to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What would the James Prince school look like? What would they teach? <laughs> what would they teach in your school? Yeah, um, I would, you know, actually my daughter, uh, has a school and a Prince Complex, a community center mm. that I uh, built. And uh, one of the things that I really love that they focus on is what that particular kid want to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And whatever you want to be, they nourish that. You know what I mean? So a lot of the energy, a lot of uh, what you want to be in life is what they're going to start shaping and molding you to become at a young age mm-hmm. and, and and believe it or not that would keep your attention you know what I mean because this is something that you you love you know you may not be in love with signs mm-hmm. or the history about you know all those other people but uh, you know to nourish the situation that you really want to become begin that you know what I mean uh, put some extra emphasis on uh, on that not not to, uh, you know, alienate from the other areas, but for sure put emphasis on that particular area. I was talking to my nephew. My nephew, first of all, shout out to my nephew, man. He thinks that I'm smart, so he had to do some long division. He brought me to long division. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. I haven't done it in a very long time. I have no clue what even anything looks like. And after I got frustrated trying to teach him how to do it, you know, my sister got mad at me because I told him, I said, you understand it. You're not going to use any of this anyway. Yeah. So why don't we just get the answers out the back yeah. of the book and then finish his homework assignment yeah. so I could play Madden. Mm. Um, but the reality is that if school was different and if it was a situation where forget about like, we don't even know the laws. Like a lot of brothers get locked up and a lot of people get locked up and they don't even know what their rights are. Mm. So there, there's a bunch of basic human knowledge mm. That yeah. you don't even get from school, that you don't get until it's time for you to like be in a situation right. where you really, really, really need it. So I, I hear what you're saying right there. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was one lesson in the book in here that you would want people to get, what would it be? What's the most important takeaway from it? Oh man, it's 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 a lot of them, but uh, if I had to go to you know one particular chapter uh it would be to to my brothers that's in bondage you know what i mean meaning the ones that's uh in bondage in a lot of uh illegal activity and uh my life-saving move that i wrote about was my experience in the closet where i trans 
Griss and went from the streets to corporate America. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's a message that saved my life. So, you know, and I know it would save so many other brothers' life if they will, uh, you know, make that choice in time. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, <laughs> believe it or not, you're on a time clock when you are in the jungle doing a lot of things where all them alphabet boys want to, you know what I mean, destroy your whole world. So, uh, yeah, that's one of many. Right. How how were you able to make that choice? Well, mine had a lot of spirituality attached to it. You know what I mean? I always was a praying man, even in the midst of everything that I'd done. And one of the things that I would do every night or every morning before getting into bed is repeat the same prayer, Lord, before you take my freedom or take my life, give me a sign. And he had gave me many signs. Right. But it was one in particular that convicted me, that he, you know, almost like slapped me and say, now this is the sign you've been praying for. And uh, I was obedient to that sign, you know, and I never looked back. And uh, I got blessed beyond my expectation from being obedient to that right. sign. Yeah. You know what? It's crazy because it, se- it seems like, you know, um, I'm from the South to where, you know, you could say anything that you anything um, and people might let it slide. But if you say you don't believe in God, that's the one thing they're not going to abide by while I'm yeah. from, from Baton Rouge. Yeah. Um, it seems like we lose in touch of that a little bit, man. Oh, yeah. It seems like the 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 further things go, um, we lose in touch with our spirituality a little bit. Yeah. Like, you, you know, the uh, <clears throat> I think the words say every generation going to get wiser or weaker. And uh, I think that may be in Revelation. Um, it's a lot of validity to that statement because we having more access to all of everything, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But as you just stated, you know, our spirituality and the word respect, period, is, is like diminishing mm-hmm. to a certain extent. So, uh, no, you're absolutely right about that. But down south, uh, <laughs> I always make this analogy to... to all my East Coast and West Coast homies, I tell them, East Coast a piece of bread, West Coast a piece of bread, and we the meat mm. down south. Word. So they can't have a real sandwich without us because <laughs> their grandmothers, their great-grandma, somebody come from there. Word. You know what I mean? And uh, well, Somebody got to come from there. Yeah. If you go back far enough, <laughs> right. what other place you could have come from? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah um, they're rooted down that way. So your influence on hip-hop especially southern hip-hop there's really no way to quantify it or, or to put it in words and right now you know the south kind of runs hip-hop you know what i'm saying been been running hip-hop for a while new york's pretty high right now but the the south you know georgia specifically atlanta that's the whole sound seems like that's what hip-hop is on did you ever think that there would be a time when there would be this much representation and this much kind of love for the south in the game well I can't say I saw it coming, but I was one of the first on the battlefield blazing for it to happen. Mm, You know what I mean? I felt like we deserved that opportunity and that respect. And and it was from that mentality that helped lay, you know, the foundation for it all to take place. I didn't know the magnitude of how it would take place, but I love the headlock we got the game in right now. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. How long do you think it's going to last? 
Oh, I think we're here to stay. You know what I mean? I once again, you can't you can't have a sandwich without the meat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or some kind of spread between there and and we the root man. So of all the MCs you've heard um, that come out of the South, who do you think is the one that you would say was the most influential or the most important Southern MC? That's a good question. And uh, I'm going to have to go with Scarface. That's what I thought you yeah. were going to say, man. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm getting, I got a Brad Jordan appreciation <laughs> movement going on yeah. on the red pill. Everybody clap right now for Scarface, man. Yeah. Austin, how come you ain't clap that loud for Scarface, dog? <laughs> Nah, man. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to clap with the dudes in this room for Scarface. I'm just saying, bro. Uh, yeah. Nah, man. We, me and me and Joe Budden was talking about this. Uh, you know, I really feel like Face was one of the first dudes to kind of um, to kind of really get that respect that so many Southern artists was kind of yearning for because yeah. the, the the pen was so crazy, the flow was so crazy, yeah. and his sort of everything that he was talking about was was so serious and relatable, man. Um, what was it like working with him throughout, you know, his career, the beginning of his career, and just kind of watching what happened with him? It was a beautiful journey, you know. Scarface is uh, uh, is an interesting guy, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, along with all other colorful personalities that mm-hmm. made up the Ghetto Boys, Word. you know what I mean? But uh, we had a lot of fun together, man. We had a lot of fun together, and uh, we uh, took a lot of risk. You know, we were fearless, mm-hmm. and uh, and we sit at that table, and you know, I call the play, and I say the play on one. <laughs> they were riding with me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We all move simultaneously. So, you know, I I, I respect my brother. We was together the other day. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, we was together the other day, and uh, it's been a beautiful journey, man. Yeah. When uh when the other when the South really started to pop, the first time it started to pop, like. For me, is when I saw a bunch of different movements. When back home, you had, you know, No Limit. You had Cash Money. You had, uh, yeah, Swisher House. You had all of these different labels from different various areas start to kind of get there. You had, you know, the Dungeon Family out in Atlanta doing everything and all of that stuff like that. Luke. Uh, Luke. Yeah. We don't mention Luke like we should, yeah. bro. Yeah. Really, Luke and them. Yeah. You can make the argument. Yeah. That Luke. They were really amongst the first Southern yeah. artists to pop the whole thing yeah. because they was all on MTV and, and, and mm-hmm. doing all of that, man. Yeah. I got to slap myself for not mentioning Uncle Luke. Shout out to Uncle Luke and that whole Miami sound. Um, when that first started to happen, was there, I know that y'all worked together a ton, but w- was there competition? Was there like a like a situation when you guys, because you know, Rap A Lot was amongst the, the early people, when you start to see... No limit and, and cash money. Cash money was you know, obviously still around, kicking right now. Um, was there any thought of yo, we gotta kind of outdo them or outsell them? Was there anything like that? Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, all those guys are like my students. Mm. Other than than Luke, you know, me and Luke, we definitely worked and done things together. But the other guys, you know, we communicated and you know what I mean. I shared game and wisdom with them. Uh, I always tell everybody they inspired me. You know mm. what I mean? When I saw them doing their thing, I was inspired. When I when I done my thing, they was inspired. So it was never uh, 
any animosity or any uh, ill feelings, you know, toward us. We never clash. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was I was inspired. You know, all of them inspired me. Even on the on the West Coast, on the East Coast, you know, that's the energy I drew from seeing. You know, the homies make it. I wanted to turn my hustle up. Word, word, <laughs> yeah. word. Okay. What's the biggest mistake you feel like you learned from? You talk about some of the mistakes that you made. What's the biggest mistake that you felt like you learned from? Mm. <laughs> well, it been a many mistakes, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but but one of them one of them was uh, definitely in the music game was. You know, I, I lost Vanilla Ice. I had Vanilla Ice in my hand. You know what I mean? That that Vanilla Ice album sold like what twelve or thirteen million. How, you had I, yeah, it was yeah. big. What you mean? You you have vanilla? How do you have vanilla ice? Yeah. I, I saw vanilla ice perform. Did y'all know this? Yeah, I never, I've never heard of Julia. Did you know this? Well, shout out to Julia Beverly, by the way. Yeah, hey, give it, yeah, give it up for <laughs> Julia Beverly right there. Y'all. Yeah. Becoming a down south yeah. hip hop historian, she did Pimp's book and doing. Huh? I didn't read it yet. No. Yeah. Yeah. Did you just check me? You like, like you just check me. I ain't get a chance to read it yet, man. This is my first. I'm gonna read it. Well, I'm gonna read it. Yeah. I'm gonna read it, man. You just yeah. check me. Yeah, but I should have nice. got me a t- copy earlier, but yeah. So vanilla, so the vanilla ice situation. That's gonna help. We're about to sell some books now, cause we don't know. So vanilla ice. What happened with that? Yeah, no, I had him. He was ready to roll with me. You know, came in the Houston, stayed in my studio probably a week or two, mm-hmm. and I told my partner at the time. I say sign him. You know what I mean? And. uh I had heard that song Ice Ice Baby. So First time you heard it, what'd you think? I'm like, well, I saw him perform with it. And you was dancing. I'm like, whoa. You know what I mean? I'm looking at him, I'm like, whoa, this is a this is a white MC hammer. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, this boy got something. This boy can move. Special. Yeah. So uh, anyway I took him to the studio that night and you gonna roll with me. And I signed you know the the paperwork to my partner at the time, and when I heard the song on the radio, I was excited because I'm like, oh, I got me one. Right. And he didn't sign him, so that was, that that was a mistake that uh, I didn't make anymore. Was putting the responsibility of mm. taking care of some business of that importance in somebody else's hand. Now you see to it that the that the is there anybody else that you that you missed out on? By the way, let me tell you something real quick. You remember that movie? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. I don't remember, you don't remember that, that do you? Nah. <laughs> well, Vanilla Ice performs at the end of that movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, he performs in ninja rap. Yeah. Okay. I'm going deep, deep, deep into my history now. It's a right. little bit about me. I was such a big Vanilla Ice fan. Yeah. That, like, I started, I got up and I started dancing in the movie theater. Oh, beautiful. Well, not to my dad. <laughs> Sit your ass down, boy. Don't dance with no white man yeah. like that. I don't want to hear that. Dude. If it was Michael Jackson, yeah. I could see James Brown. I could see who is this dude. Yeah. My dad was very upset. Brought it up at my high school graduation. It was embarrassing. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> told everybody. So, Vanilla had you crunk, huh? You have no idea. Yeah. I didn't know he was going to be in the movie. Wasn't no internet, right? So, yeah. I'm there. I'm 11 years old. You know, I'm going to see the movie. The Turtles, they doing their thing and stuff like that. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's Vanilla Ice. I'm like, oh, my God. I get up and I'm dancing. My dad was embarrassed, man. I love you, yeah. pops. You have to do me like that. So, for you, is there anybody, any other opportunities like that that you missed out on that you could remember? Any guys you were close to signing? Mm. 
No, pretty much from that day forward, I was able. You got everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I learned. I didn't have to learn that lesson twice. You have to learn it twice. Yeah. Wouldn't have been a lesson if you had to learn it twice. Yeah. Um, so you know, we you know a lot of the conversations about you, and we you know we're gonna talk more about the book. Like, what do you do like for fun? Like, oh. do you like? I mean, like, what do you have? Do you ever like <laughs> sit at the crib and watch Seinfeld and just laugh? I like to watch a lot of boxing. You know, I'm into boxing, so. Me too. Yeah, that's like my favorite sport. Mm. So uh, I spend a lot of time, you know, boxing. I spend a lot of time just in, with peace and tranquility, you know, doing family things, you know, stuff right. like that, yeah. You don't want, so you don't like, you don't, you know, none of the other stuff that we do, you don't sit down and just mess around on YouTube watching cute cat videos and nothing I like mean, that. I mean, I peep YouTube sometimes. I'm trying to get you to yeah. break down here. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you keep yeah. it real. Who's yeah. the best boxer in the world right now? It's a good crop of young boxers out there. Terrence Crawford just took somebody's head out on, yeah. head off on, on Saturday. Yeah. Who who who, who you checking for? I know you had a, a, a very close relationship with Andre Ward. He retired yeah. on top. Right. Um, right. So if, if there was somebody right now you could pluck and kind of and kind of get with him. Who who do you mess with in the boxing game? Well, I would have to begin with Shakur Stevenson. You know, he signed yeah. to me as well. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. You saw what he done the other night. It's crazy. Yeah. I tell know. you something, man. That ref need to have his head checked. Yeah. Because Shakur is gonna knock that man's head off. Right. And he didn't step in. He 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 was doing this thing. So yeah. you think he's the next big thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's the future. Nine and 0, 10 and 0 right now, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he's the future of the game. Like, um, what, what, what about the sport of boxing draws you to it? Oh man, I just, I love the excitement about the sport. It was my first love always. You know, mm -hmm. music. I got distracted where music was concerned, but I just love the sport of boxing. I love the uh, no escape in that ring. Yeah, you no know escape. what I mean. It's it's a it's a beautiful art, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, either coward or conqueror. My dad says once you step in that ring, man. Yeah, love it. Yeah, are you looking for a thirty-eight year old heavyweight that doesn't have any fights yet? <laughs> I don't have no tread on the tires, JB. None. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm out here doing my thing, man. Like that, huh? Yeah, we give it a shot. I'm, I'm put me in the ring. I'm that's serious, man. Everybody talk about Wilder and Fury. Ain't nobody checking for me. Take care of all that, huh? All of them. Okay. Dust them off. Well, we can go get that money. I tell you right now, I'll put a challenge out here on the red pill. I'm willing to fight anybody. Okay, I'm about 235 pounds. I'm willing to fight anybody over 65 from 109 pounds <laughs> to 150 pounds. You're over 65, 109 pounds to 160, I'm willing to fight you. Prince going to set it up. All right, George Farmer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, tell me how you and Julia hooked up. You know what I mean? How, how did yeah? How how did y'all how, how hook up for 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 her to be uh, the biographer? Because uh, we should I should give a shout out to my girl Jazz Fly, who also had a lot yeah. to do um, with the book. Also did a lot of. How did y'all hook up? Because once again, I, I mentioned earlier, I said it in passing, but mm -hmm. she really has a big hand in in hip hop right now. Um, from Pimp's book, which I came to the book situation on that one. That one I, yeah, I supported, read it, loved it. Pimp C, rest in peace. Uh, one of the biggest influences in my life, Pimp C. How did y'all get connected and stuff like that? Well, Julie been, you know, on this 
playing field in hip hop for a while. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been watching her. You know, I watch her work ethic. You know, I watched the whole movement, you know, how she built Ozone. Yeah, and, and even Ozone, man. Yeah, and even after that. So, you know, when I uh, got ready to do my book, you know, I wanted real people involved, you know what I mean, that I knew would uh, keep it real and bust their ass, you mm-hmm. know, and we would win together. So, you know, I, I called her first, mm-hmm. one of the first ones I called. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a success story. It is. Yeah. Overall, where the country is right now, because I'm going to be honest with you, the things that I talk to my OGs about is how I'm supposed to be moving, you know what I mean? How I'm supposed to be moving as a black man in America right now with what we're going through with Donald Trump. We talked a little bit about that earlier. For me, you always want to come at things with an intelligent and diplomatic mind and listen to people's point of views and perspectives. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, just kind of the way I came up, where I came up, there's just a lot of bullshit I'm just not going to go for. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. Um, We talked about Kanye earlier. Obviously, big thing between me and Kanye here in the newsroom, everybody saw it. Um, Do you have a specific opinion on Donald Trump and Trump's version of America and how we, as black people, uh, should sort of deal with it when you see kind of like the political landscape and how fractured things are, is there something that you think? What do you, what, what's your perspective on the whole thing? Yeah, I think a lot um, where that's concerned, but uh, I'm going to keep it to myself right now. <gasps> what? <laughs> you know what I mean? I think it's a time and a place for everything. And that time and that and place I, is not the red pill right now? Well, you know, definitely the red pill is special. I wouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we understand that, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't. I got you, but let me ask you this: maybe just this this situation right now. In terms of, uh, do you think there's anything wrong with talking to people that you don't agree with? Like, do you think that there's anything wrong with with like um? Because there's the, the big debate is how do we deal with this? If you're invited to the White House, do you go or do you not go? Um, in order not to have this conversation with this man. Yeah. How do you, like, how someone who's dealt with, you know, kind of getting to the bottom of problems, how do you, what do you think about that? I mean, if I, if I had an invitation to go and sit with him, I would go. You you know what I mean? I I can only speak for me because, you know, people have uh, reasons why they don't want to do or why they want to do different things. And, you know. I know, Mr. Prince, a lot of people are going to be, just let you know, there'll probably be a lot of people that would be hurt or offended to hear yeah. that you say that you would go to the oh, White yeah, House. Oh, yeah, but that's because they don't, they elevate only go up so far. You know okay. what I mean? Because anybody know me, if I go, it's going to be with a purpose. Right. You know what I mean? And, and I'm going to be about my people. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? It ain't going to be me going, matter of fact, they should welcome me to go. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm that type of individual, you know, where uh, I got character whether they looking or not. Mm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm going to stand. So, look, man, you know, it's been a very uh, eye-opening interview for me, you know, even though you didn't want to answer my, my my Trump question. I'm trying to get the <laughs> game for you. Um, yeah. What uh, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, um, y'all, you have so much legacy already. You got a bunch of, you know, 
strong, respectful uh, uh, children out here who got respect in this industry. Your name rings out coast to coast. What do you want to be remembered for? And that's not punching your clock. Yeah. We got a lot more yeah. <laughs> James no. Prince, but what, what do you want to be remembered for? A man of respect. Mm. You know, a man mm. of respect. That'll, that'll be enough for me. That's it. Yeah, I can live with that. I can go out with that. Go out with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there any way you could give me some tickets to a Drake concert? Because, you know, <laughs> he had LeBron come out there, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When was that? When did they perform together? That was like Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. You want to go? It's, it's not going to happen, y'all. <laughs> I can tell y'all right now. He look, listen, listen. Like it's like my uncle used to do. My uncles would be. I'd be. I asked my uncle. I'd be like, "Yo, can I have a big wheel?" He'd be like, "Ha ha, we'll see about it." Yeah. And anytime he said we'll see about it, you knew it wasn't gonna happen. Everybody, give it up for James Prince, man. Woo! A lot of takeaways. Look, this book right here says Julia. Oh, this is this you in the Fila situation right oh, here? Yeah. Yeah. Rose Royce. Drip. Fila. This is real original drip. The whole Fila suit. Oh my God, man, look at this right here. Uh, a lot of times in the music business, you see people and y'all bullshit each other, but when you do business with James Prince, you're held at your word. You know, if he tells you something, he's gonna do it, which is refreshing. James that means you can go to the concert tonight. Oh, that's true, Ooh, okay, yeah. I got you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got you, man, the Fila suit, I actually, I don't yeah. even wanna go to the concert, I want this Fila outfit right here, man. Oh man, that's a throwback there, bro. I want, do you, have, you know how hard this will go right now? Yeah. You say it's a throwback, if I show up right now, Yeah. If I show up to 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 One Oak tomorrow in this feline outfit with this exact Rolls Royce, I'm not leaving alone. All right, so we talked a lot about the book. Where can people get the book from? Oh, you can get it at Amazon. Okay. Barnes and Noble. Mm -hmm. You know, I also have a, a, a audio version that's narrated by me. So okay. Go to iTunes, title. You know, the book is everywhere. And of course, you can follow me at J Prince Respect. You're on the gram. Live and in living color. You're on the gram. You know yeah. what I don't see on the gram, though? That picture of that feline jumpsuit. Oh, I don't man. see it. You got to put that on the gram if you really want to get your likes up, bro. That'll help me, huh? That'll help you, man. That should be your gram picture right there. I love that. Okay. So you're on the gram. Shout that handle out again. At J Prince Respect. All right. Uh, Y'all give it up for J Prince one more time, man. We really appreciate you making the time. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Um, I ask you, is there anything we missed? Is there anything you want people to know about that we did not cover in this interview? Man, it was a great interview. I thought so. What's, yeah. what's, 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 uh, what's your favorite funny movie? My favorite funny movie? You, la you watch it and you just laugh. Oh, you, in, you, in the, you in the crib and you laughing your head off. Well, I was telling them the other day, uh, one of the... The hardest laughs I had watching was the Eddie Murphy, uh, what's the name of that comedy thing, Eddie Murphy? Raw? Was it Raw? Is it Eddie Murphy comedy or Eddie Murphy no, no, movie? No, 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 I'm talking about comedy. He was on one stage? Yeah. It was either Raw, Raw. or Delirious. Delirious, I think. Delirious yeah. is funny. Yeah. Delirious is funny. Has there ever been a movie that made you cry? I don't remember that one if it had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it been one of them, I don't remember. I had to be a kid or something. I don't remember that one. You ever, there's a movie called My Little Pony. That's what Austin be crying at. Yeah. The ponies get there and they got magic and stuff like that. And Austin cries. All right, we out of here.